0: The circus is back in town, at least Showtime's political documentary series, The Circus, is back, resuming its sixth season this past Sunday. And the show has no shortage of topics to explore. Just in the coming weeks, Congress is staring at a possible government shutdown, a debt limit breach, the fate of President Joe Biden's agenda, fighting the COVID-19 Delta variant, and more. To the show's hosts, Mark McKinnon and Jennifer Palmieri, join us to discuss what they'll be up to amid these crazy times. Mark, Jen, welcome back to Political Theater.
1: Hey, thanks for having us.
0: It, it's 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 nice. Uh, it's nice to see you both. You both been in, uh, on the show at different times. I wanna I wanna talk real quickly um, about the, you know the cold open of this past Sunday's premiere. Um, it it's it is a reminder of how optimistic we all were uh, for this very short period of time in the spring. Uh, people were getting vaccinated. Uh, you know, they were openly talking about just you know going traveling here and yon and and you know it was almost this giddiness and then this crash. You know, of Delta. You know, kind of throws us all off track and uh, and then you get the, the the show credits and then then you're back in in your banter, but but. Let's talk about that because, like, the, the, you know, the show used to start with you all together. Uh, and, and in this case, you were all quite literally uh, in different states from what I can even tell. Um, let's talk about that and how kind of almost wistful that is and, and how it's a sign of our times.
1: Well, w- one of the fun things we do, we, we learned early on, is we set up the week. Uh, with what we call a round table and we never wanted to do that static in a studio so we ended up in the very early shows going to some really great restaurants and we discovered then what a huge audience there is out there for food porn and there are people who literally watch our show to see <laughs> where and what we're eating and so that was a big fun part of the show to open it every week and then covid you know created so many challenges for for all of us in, in media and you know, in the country obviously in the world we had our own unique set of challenges, which was that, that we had a COVID protocol, which means that we all had to have our own producing pod. So Jennifer has a pod. I have a pod with so like five or six or seven, you know, uh, cameras and sound and what have you. And then we can't ever be together during the season. But we thought, like, like everybody, like you said, we thought after the summer, oh, great, things are getting back to normal. We're all going to be together again. And bam, you know, which was a huge disappointment for us. But obviously, it's a huge Disappointment and challenge for the Biden administration, as I say in this week's roundtable, it's like Mike Tyson says: everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face,
0: right? And and it seems like this last August, you know, this this past month and and leading up into it might have might have been that punch in the face with Afghanistan and and Delta and and so forth.
2: It's one of the toughest
0: Augusts you've ever seen.
2: I mean, it is, and I've seen like bad August, but I feel like that was the most. It was just the most wrenching, you know, because like, a lot of times you have bad August, but the White House will have a bad August because. You know, with Obama in our first year, it was protests around the Tea Party and healthcare, right? But to have a deadly virus, you know, be back on the rise, this new variant sort of running rampant around the unvaccinated, and then just the wrench, you know, how wrenching Afghanistan was, it was, you know, it's like there's bad August and then there's the stakes of last this past month. And also just, I feel like the toll that it probably took on the White House staff because those are experienced people, but that was just, that was just grueling. And yeah, there there were those two weeks in the spring, right? There were those two weeks like in May <laughs> where it felt like I went to see Springsteen on Broadway and uh you know, it felt like New York was going back. It we, you know, we were all gonna yeah, like show would all be we were all we would all be able to be together and you know, here we are.
0: And I I mean one of the things that has started to turn a little bit and and um you know your your co-host John Halman he he covers the California recall results in in this past show and it seems like the the administration certainly with Newsom's win sending the president out there they seem to hope that this is a momentum turner for the virus also um i mean if I have to just wonder though I mean Congress is back this is the <laughs> this week marks the first time Congress both chambers of Congress have been back in session since July so we have this huge public health emergency we have all these issues and they are just getting back into into town for the same time at the same time I mean you're both you both have been around you know politics for so long it's always been a, a contact sport with very high stakes but we just surpassed the the death toll for the the Spanish influenza uh, from 1918, 1919. And we still have people who are holding out on vaccines. I mean, this is now a political thing, whether you you, you know, wear a mask in a restaurant or at school and so forth. How did it get to this stage where our politics from the presidential level to the congressional level to the school board level practically gets so crazy, so bad?
1: Wow, well, do you have a do we have three hours?
0: <laughs> yes, we're gonna we're gonna go to the Joe Rogan sort of length on this one. No.
1: <laughs> I think this is gonna be something we're gonna be writing books and and analyzing for for decades to come. I mean, it's it's not any one thing. It's a combination of a whole lot of things that started back, you know, I'd say with the advent of the internet, talk radio, uh, cable television, the tea party, you know, everything just kind of just started digging things lower and lower and lower. But most of it leads to an environment in which everybody has absolute confirmation bias at their fingertips. And what I mean by that is, I already sort of believe something. And it's real easy for me to find all the information that I want to reinforce what I already believe for my tribe, you know, to make me right and you wrong, me good and you evil. And it's just so easy. And that's a big part of the problem. What do you think, Jen?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think all of that. I, I do think. I mean, it seems, it's going to seem silly to say. I do think that we actually discount the role of the internet here. <laughs> um, the fact that there are no gates. Um, well, that's with a little g. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about the Matt one. Um, but the fact that there are gates and gates, um, but that, that, that anybody can be can have a platform to be heard is just. Um, it means you can live in your own. You know, you you can live in your own your own silo, and then I think that you know, there is the other big factors, huge changes happen in America, huge demographic changes. Um, and if those happen in a silo where people are not, are not speaking to each other or not, um, uh, agreeing on the same set of facts, you're going to have this kind of, this kind of, of turmoil. And, um, you know, I started working in politics probably around the time that Gingrich, um, you know, the Gingrich Revolution. And I feel like, in terms of politics, that was sort of the beginning of let's a strategy where you're like, you know, he was going to burn the village down to save it, right? He was going to like run against the House, run against the House representatives in order to take it over and you know try to remake it. Um, and I feel like in politics, I, I, I sort of like. You know, you can go back to, you know, people go back to different parts of times, but where it really started to get, where the divergent of the parties to be like, we're going to have different sets of incentives, right, for what we consider a victory. I feel like that's where that kind of started. And that's why it's so hard to ever get any kind of bipartisan agreement because... Republicans um, in the Congress are just motivated by a whole different set of incentives than the Democrats are. the Democrats. I mean, and I'm not, I'm not meaning to be partisan here, but I will like generalize, like Democrats are wanting to pass things, get things done when they're in control. And the Republicans, you know, they just, they, they appeal to their base. Um, Democrats are still, they appeal to the base, but they still have an incentive to appeal to swing voters as well. And it just, and I think when you can't, when you're not, that's what makes compromise so difficult is that people are using different sets of, not just different sets of facts, but like uh, their incentivized to do really different things.
0: Well, and and I also just, I mean, January 6th, I think, and, and the big lie, you know, it sort of hovers over a lot of this. And I mean, we... You know, I, I, our first time, you know, together, uh, Jennifer, I spoke with you and John uh, right after, you know, like the, the show that you all had cut on on January 6th. And it still is this thing that is, I mean, is being constantly manipulated to, you know, sort of re recast it as, you know, people as political prisoners. And we had this ridiculous, you know, uh Justice for J six um, rally at the at the Capitol uh, on, on over the weekend, which had about a hundred protesters and about five hundred reporters. <laughs> um, I mean, it was it was a little weird uh, thing, but that stuff just doesn't seem like it's going to go away. Because for every non event like that, you have somebody who is a believer in Trump's falsehoods about the election, who might be the next Secretary of State in a, in a in a swing state. I mean, what do you what do we how do we cover this? <laughs> Straight when people are subverting the democratic process, they're they're openly saying they're going to subvert the democratic process. I don't even know how to begin to cover it as a journalist. I'm, I don't mean to turn it into a group therapy session, but <laughs> how do you guys approach it? <laughs> how are you guys approaching this uh, with your new season? How do you take the? How do you talk to people like Gates or this Sabatini guy that Alex Wagner talked to in Florida?
1: Well, I li- listen. I-, I think we are now focusing on which is which is you know not. Not just the root, but the whole tree and the trunk and the leaves of the problem that you that we talked about in the last question, which is, you know, how do we get this partisanship going what have you? Well, this is like the nuclear bomb uh, of of uh, disinformation, of uh, leading to you know the the hyperpolarization that we are now experiencing, which is January sixth, uh, because we had you know a a a, a, a not just you know. A, our democracy was almost overturned. You know, we were learning more and more and more about just how close we came as insane as that seems.
0: Yeah. Did any of you see the Dan Quayle saving democracy?
1: Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Who thought the Dan Quayle would be the one at the vanguard of our democracy, you know, holding back the hordes. But, um, uh, to me, you know, that, that is such an overriding issue, uh, because it, I mean, the big why not only sowed seeds of, of you know, distrust about our system in this country with with partisans, but it sowed seeds of illegitimacy about the current president, uh, which, of course, leads to uh, um, the partisanship because most of the Trump supporters don't believe that Joe Biden's a legitimate president. And so I, I just think in in the history of our country, this is like the most heinous of heinous crimes that has ever been committed, and and to me, I I, you know, my brother was saying, "Are you excited to go back out there?" I said, "I'm not, you know, I'm not excited, but I I'm increasingly feel like I got to do this. It's just a public service, as as incremental as anything I might say or anybody might listen to what our show is. I'm 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 I feel like I'm sort of part of, you know, the Justice League out there trying to just get the get the truth out there somehow, any way that we can, whatever little way that that we can sort of help." You know, push back on this huge lie and effort to destabilize our democracy and turn us into an autocracy. Listen, it almost happened, and they're trying to do it again. So, listen, I'm just going to bang this drum as hard as I can, as loudly as I can, for
2: as long as I can. I was going to say the um, I do think that you know, I like our show tries to. I mean, one of the things that I respected about it before I was part of it is. I think it's pretty fair to everybody, you know. So I think one of the most valuable things to do is um, go out into the country and, you know, we did that like that—the interview that Alex did last week with Anthony Sabatini, who's running for Congress, he's a state rep in Florida. Who, um, <laughs> I think the best moment of the show was Alice. You know, he's in, he's like he doesn't—he's very much opposed to vaccination mandates. And Alex asks him, are you vaccinated?" And he says, "Say what?"
0: It's <laughs> a private choice.
2: Wow, that guy—I I, I think he may be vaccinated, um, but I think that. So we, we, we but you know, I don't. Uh, that was a tough interview that Alex did. It was—I mean, it was—you know, she was, she was tough on him, and I think it was hard for, uh, for her because you're like constantly battling these, you know, falsehoods, and so you want to do a measure of listening, letting him make his case. Cause I think it's really important that people, you know, and if you see in that, in that interview and when I interviewed governor Hutchinson, Arkansas too, what we're asking people is like, what's at the root? Okay. I understand what you're saying. Um, what's at the root of it? Like, what, what, what are we like, let's get to like, what, what are the underlying fears or beliefs or that, that like that, that are motivating this belief or this emotion so that we can try to shed a little more light. Um, and you have to balance pushing back on someone to be like, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. Well, also, um, you know, I think the value is for our audience to see, um you know, to, to like understand, try to, try to get a glimpse of where these people are coming from. They're just sort of captured in a caricature on social media or in small, in, 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 small news clips. There's one positive thing I will find now, granted, we are only in our second week and right now I'm in London. I'm not even in the United States, (laughs) but when I was in Arkansas last week and I talked to a lot of people about the vaccine mandate. Almost everyone told me how worried there are about the divisions in the country. And the phrase I heard the most often was, Why can't we all just agree to disagree? And that's like not something I heard people say in 20, for example, like on the campaign trail, right? It was just so I don't know if it's, I don't want to like overstate it as some big positive thing. Um, you know, because we still disagree on what is true and what are what, what are facts, but it does and I think that's what's good about the show is just to kind of like illuminate where people not just like the most sensational thing they might say, but where they're coming from
0: and uh, one thing what you you mentioned your your interview with Governor Hutchinson in Arkansas, and know this guy is a rock ribbed conservative republican as you as you state, you know, he's a House impeachment manager against Bill Clinton. Um, I mean there are his his conservative and Republican bona fides are not questioned, but he he is seems to be trying his best you know to navigate the politics here and seem and comes across as very sincere and the type of person you want to see in public office. He's also seventy years old <laughs> he is the past you know at this point and thirty two year old Anthony Sabatini who is you know, really goading Alex Wagner and basically calling her stupid uh, in the interview, that's the future, it seems. And that's 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 the concerning thing, you know, I think that like that there are people who are not, and there, I think that there's a performative aspect to Sabatini. He doesn't seem like he believes half of the stuff that he's saying about the Cheneys being the most disgraceful uh, political name in the history of politics and so, so forth. But it does seem like that performative aspect is here to stay.
2: The other thing, the person I didn't talk about when I went to Arkansas, but was very much a, um, very much, you know, t- was getting a ton of coverage was Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Okay. To your point about how the Republican Party is changing. So um, Hutchinson is on his, you know, this is his last term. He's on his way out. I mean, it does crack me up. I mean, all of my Clinton friends, my friends at them Little Rock, work with Clinton, say things like, thank God for Asa, you know, <laughs> the man who tried to oust our our former boss um, because they feel like he is trying to balance and managing uh, the co and managing the pandemic. But Sarah, Sarah Hugby Sanders is the house on fire in Arkansas. I tell you what people love her. She had a big um, statewide tour uh, right before I got there, had really big crowds, um, you know, and she's not Asa. She's not Sabatini either, but she's, you know, she's definitely moving in a more, uh, conservative direction interestingly though her first ad featured her father with president clinton and talking about like how we need to come together as part of her ad and then it ended with trump these little like things popping up that seem hopeful on the republican side in terms of you know like beating back some of the you know the stuff that's not based in truth i'll say uh but then it all seemed to come back and end with trump
0: yeah yeah and and mark, I wonder, I mean like you're you're uh um spend a lot of your time in Colorado uh a, a western guy there may. Colorado. I wonder if it offers some of the another one of these sort of beacons of semi hope. I mean, their their new maps, their congressional maps that they've laid out, seem to be very fair. Uh, they they a lot of like sort of the good government groups have said this is about as fair as you can get uh, in in terms of like trying to reduce the polarization and packing Republicans all into one district and Democrats all into another district. Is that is that one of those sort of stealth issues that could help? You know, point us in the right direction away from all this dysfunction you think?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm a prisoner of hope and uh, <laughs> happy that I live in Colorado where there there is uh, you know uh, some signs of, of progress as you mentioned on this uh, on redistricting specifically, they've done what a handful of other states have done, which is take the redistricting process out of the hands of elected officials and into a more of a civic kind of group, uh, which is not to say that it's, it's you know, it leeches out all the politics I it. There's always gonna be politics involved, but, but, uh, but as you say, so far, we've seen what looks like a much more fair kind of, uh, representation of the districts for uh, going forward. So I think that's, you know, one of the many pieces of the puzzle we need to, you know, we, we need to enact around the country. I, I hope that all states will go to this this sort of uh, citizen-based commission idea for redistricting, that that's helpful because obviously the, you know, the gerrymandering of districts just leads to greater partisanship when you have people who are, you know, not worried about a general election, but only about their own
0: primaries. So before we wrap things up, I, I, uh, I, I like where this is going cause I'm feeling a little a tiny bit better. I said like, uh, uh about things, <laughs> um, where, uh, what's, what are the, Before we go though, I just, I'm curious as you approach this season, I know you guys kind of work on the fly uh, just because things happen so quickly and you're all over the place, uh, California, London, Arkansas, Florida, but what's, uh, what are some of the things you're looking forward to that you know you're going to cover in this coming season that could be, um, you know, a real opportunity for, for, for people to to take a look at politics and say like, Oh, maybe it doesn't all suck.
1: (laughs) Well, I'll, I'll say this, that, um, one of the big surprises about the show all along has been, uh, you know, I, th- I thought it'd be one and done. It was designed to be about the 2016 campaign. It was done, designed to be a show about campaigns. And I thought it'd be one and done, maybe come back four years later. Three weeks in, the suits at Showtime said, the circus hadn't stopped, keep going. I was skeptical. I was like, I don't know, it's static, as DC. How interesting could it be? Well, <laughs> I was completely wrong about that. And the fact is, that um our show is, is you know they're signing us up for now the seventh season next year we've almost done 100 episodes i you know i hope in part because the show is fun mm-hmm. and interesting but but I, th- I think more so it's just because of the time we live in people are animated they're dialed in across the board left right and center it's like oh i need to pay attention to what's going on you know and be, i mean look at all the factors but you know, in part it's, I think people in COVID is a big part of it. People say, Oh, well, government's actually supposed to do something. And so, uh, so uh, again, I thought that maybe an appropriate time to end this thing would be with the last election. I thought, you know, how interesting is the show going to be with sleepy Joe Biden? Well, the ratings are higher than they've ever been with Joe Biden to my real surprise. But one of the things that we're doing is that, uh, we're we're looking at and this is what we kind of did in the spring run is that you know we could count on the four years before that that just something dramatic was going to happen every week and it was always it was usually surprising but it was just something we could count on that was going to be surprising and dramatic and chaotic uh not so much this time although we're kind of breaking the mold on that as well so what we've increasingly tried to do in the spring run, and I think we will do going forward, is go deeper on issues, on climate change, on what uh, we're going to do, what we call a bottle episode, which is like a special episode of just what's going on in Texas. There's like all kinds of really, I mean, for some people, exciting things happen, for other really concerning things happen in Texas. But is that a bellwether of what's going to happen around the country? Or is it like Anthony Sabatini said, we're going to have, you know, we're going to have the, the, the sort of United States of Texas and the United States of California, you know, uh, and, and, you know, suggesting there could be, you know, that could lead to
0: civil war part two.
1: So uh, I think we're just, we're trying to go deeper. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's what we're trying to do. And, and, and by the way, by doing that, like our, our, when we did on climate change, which involved a lot of stuff, including really good perspectives from people on like the, the uh, the, uh, the the pipeline, you know, that got some really good conservative perspective from, from people like John Tester. That's like, oh man, I kind of understand both sides of this argument. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Jennifer, what
2: do you think? Yeah, I, I do. Love, I mean, I do love that. Like that, when we're able to. I mean, I think that the big lie. I mean, to answer your question, it's like the big lies sort of permeates everything this um, uh, this season. And if you're, you know, if you have the when you had the wherewithal to look away from Washington and and go out to the country and then sort of like dig into uh, where people believe that, why they believe that, is there any path? Is anybody having any success on finding the path back? I feel like you know that's kind of the that's the question that overhangs the whole um, the hang, uh, the whole show, and you know, which is you know which is why I, I'm finding doing the doing the show. I, I was on the show for one season with Trump. Uh, doing it without him, I find is it's just a lot more illuminating about where America really is. Because he, in the end, that guy is sort of a distraction, right? He kind of he helped with this shoes. He he facilitated all of this stuff that we see happening. But it was also, you know, it's there. It's something beyond him, and we can get more um, at the root of that. But also, like I said, to try to illuminate that. I just love this show and was a fan of it before because you know worked in politics for a long time and. It shows politics, I think, as as it really is, like what 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 they're really wrestling with behind the scenes at the White House or um, on Capitol Hill. But now, you know, even more so, like what people are really wrestling with um, in a more you know that you can present in a more thoughtful way, actually, in America.
0: Well, uh, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to some of the bottle episodes in Texas and so forth. I've got uh, relatives there and and uh, and friends, so. Um, good luck to both of you uh, as, as this season, you know, keeps keeps going. It's uh, new, new episodes are on Sunday evenings on Showtime, and and you can always catch them on online and Hulu and all that kind of stuff. Uh, in the meantime, good luck to y'all and be careful out there.
2: Thanks, That's great. Thank you for having us.